Hey, good morning, Chair City Church. Good to see all of you here today. Love your enthusiasm. Today we're kicking off a new series, Weird Stuff in the Bible, because there's weird stuff in the Bible, right? I mean, it doesn't take too long when you're flipping through the pages and you come along something, a uh, detail, a story that just seems strange, peculiar, weird, right? Now, now, just because it's weird doesn't mean it's not true. Now, we believe that uh, there are some great truths found in these weird stories that can be very helpful to you and to me. We, uh, we, we are saying that there is wisdom in the weird for us in this series. Now, today we're going to be looking into a story about a, uh, a man named Samson. And we're going to also take note to uh, Samson having a craving, a craving. A working definition for this sermon of the word craving is a powerful desire for something slash someone, right? A yearning, a longing, a hungering. That's what a craving is. I have a craving for pizza. You know, yesterday I I took a couple of hours, a few hours, and I, you know, the day was kind of overcast, and I made some homemade pizza. Actually, I made the sauce from scratch, made the dough from scratch, and me and my family, you know, we had some pizza. I have a craving for pizza. I have a craving for cinnamon buns. I don't know how to make those yet, as you know, right? I have a, a craving to hang out with my wife late at night and just talk and hang out and eat. All right, sometimes I wake up to it. I, I wake up to that craving just thinking at the end of the day, I'm going to hang out and talk with my wife about life and eat. Yeah, my poor wife, right? <laughs> in in a, a grand picture, I'm, I'm trying to map out this, what I call the, the fantasy, if you will, of, of going to Amherst and getting some pizza, going up to Vermont to get my cinnamon bun, and then ending it all with a night hanging out somewhere cool where I can hang out till like one in the morning with my dear Christy. I, I just got to slot that last one in. I got to find a place like, you know, where I could find Vermont, New Hampshire, Mass, a place to hang out there. We just might have to drive all the way back across the, street, uh, the state to Boston, right? But anyway, you know, so you have these cravings, huh? Now, truth is there's cravings for things other than food, right? And, and, and these cravings can give you a, uh, you know, this craving to, to be recognized, to be successful, this craving to get ahead. And those cravings can kind of prompt you and motivate you, you know, to get some things accomplished. But if we're not careful, those cravings can cost us, right? You're craving for a bigger car, a bigger house, a nicer house, and then you get that thing in the mail, it's in an envelope at the end of the month, you know, and it's like, wow, it really is costing me, isn't it, right? You know, you're, you're, you're wanting to get ahead at work, you want to accomplish more at work, solidify certain positions, places, and, and what happens? You're, you're spending more time during the week here and there, you're in there on a Saturday, you're spending less time with your family, you're making withdrawals, huh? And it's costing you. That craving is costing you, huh? Now, many, maybe there's a craving you have that you don't want anybody else to know about. You don't think anybody else knows about it, right? But you find yourself, you know, thinking. You see, the thing about a craving is, I'll tell you this. A craving often feels good when we're thinking about it, even better than when when we actually indulge in it. And then when we indulge in it, we're sort of unsettled, guilty, regret, 
distracted. Whatever it is, er see, everybody has a craving. We all have cravings, yes? I, I, you don't have to, I know. Every single human being has a craving. The question I have for you today is this. What do you do when your craving has you? What do you do when your craving has you? That means your craving is costing you friendships. It's hurting family. It's choking your life. Now, when we look into Samson's story, we're going to see a person with a craving problem, right? And it, it is. It's a weird story. Now, there are two weird details attached to Samson's story that kind of connected to each other. The weird stuff about Samson is his strength and his hair. I wouldn't mind having... Actually, I do have, I have a pretty good amount of hair for my age. I just, it's just, thank you. It's just a color. It's just a color. I asked my wife if maybe I could dye it like a blonde or something, a platinum. She laughed. She laughed. So did Jackie. You both laughed at me, right? You and Jackie. That's all right. It's okay. So some people write poems about sunsets and, and romance, falling in love, about Christmas mornings. Well, Samson wrote a poem, and we read about it in Judges, chapter 15, verse 16. You know? Now, just so you know, Samson was considered, or really is, the strongest man in the Bible, and then maybe considered one of the strongest men ever to live. And here, Samson writes a poem in Judges 15, 16. He says, with a donkey's jawbone, I've made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I've killed a thousand men. It rhymes. So, clearly, this guy is not your average guy. I mean, he's a strong man. He, he's writing a poem, but he kills a thousand men, and then he writes a poem about it. And they're not just any men. They're, they're Philistines, either the enemies of his people, Israel, who are oppressing at that time the Israelites. Now, a weird thing about Samson, which no one knew but him and his mother, was that Samson got his strength from his hair. You're all ordained by God and through God and his promise, but, but, but it was coming from his hair. His promise not to cut his hair. Now we read in Judges chapter 13, verses 3 through 5, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to her, Samson's mom, and said, You are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean. You'll become pregnant and have a son who whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, people didn't know about Sam Samson's hair being his strength. They did know that as long as they saw him with long hair, they knew he was a Nazarite, somebody dedicated to God. So, Samson had a calling, right? Samson's calling was a Nazarite dedicated to God. The key here is to know it was God who placed the calling on Samson's life. It was God who gave Samson unique gifts and a unique calling, right? Therefore, it was God who Samson, who Samson should identify with, right? Meaning, Samson's identity should be God. Now, when I say identity, this is a definition of identity I want to bring to you. The fact of being who or what a person is. A close similarity or affinity. 
the distinguishing character or personality of an individual and the relation established by psychological identification. So identity is who you are, the way you think about yourself, the way you want the world to see you. It's the characteristics that make you up and define you, right? It's this psychological, emotional identification and attachment to something or someone. Samson's identity should have been, and maybe for a long time, maybe it was God. So Samson had a calling, but he had an identity, yes? And the, he, Samson had a calling to be a Nazarite, one who would save God's people from the oppression of their enemy, the Philistines. Now, like Samson, each one of us has a calling. I do deeply believe that. I believe it's calling as in plural. We have several callings in our lifetime and on our life. But we also have an identity, and we need to discover our calling but we need to declare our identity, meaning we need to declare over and over, day and over, this is who we are. This is our being. This is what we have an affinity to. This is what we are psychologically and emotionally attaching ourselves to. When the world sees us, this is what they see, and all that should be Jesus. I'm telling you. This is where how calling is nurtured. This is what facilitates calling in a way that honors and glorifies God and is healthy for the church. When someone identifies with Jesus, that's their identity, and then they live out their calling, that's their declaration, and then they discover and live out their calling from that place. This is so healthy, this is so powerful, this is so effective, this brings unity, and this changes lives. Yes? No damage, only beauty, only celebration there. Okay, so... We need to be aware of that calling. We need to know our identity is in Jesus Christ. So when we think about who we are, we are a child of God who's saved by Jesus. That's who we are. When we think about ourselves, we're a person who is loved by Jesus. When we think about how the world views us and sees us, we want them to see someone who loves Jesus. Yeah. In all we say and do, when things happen, catches by surprise, well, the way we respond is, wow, when people view that, the world, people around us, neighbors, friends, family, wow, they must love Jesus the way they're responding to that. Huh? When pain and suffering, sorrow, difficulty comes into our life, people, the world, says, wow, the way they're behaving, they must have some psychological and emotional attachment to Jesus, because look how they're seeing that through. Huh? Or the way they're, you know, responding in this moment, they, much, they have such an affinity with, a connection to, they're so similar to what Jesus would do. Are you getting me? See, that's the power of the identity. So Friday, you know, and people will, this is such a powerful testimony to people. When we are declaring by our words and our actions our identity to Jesus. And it really sets us up to live out our calling in such a great way. Friday, Christy and myself and Matt and Jackie and 20 teenagers went up to Soul Fest uh, up in New Hampshire, up to Gunstock Mountain in New Hampshire, about two, two and a half hours. We leave here at 7.30 in the morning. We got home at 2.30 in the morning on Saturday, huh, you know? And so there's thousands of people in attendance. The music is loud. I mean, like, this is soft. It is loud, right? Now, you know, we, and so at one point when we got there, a short time afterwards, we had to get this cooler, right, from our van, 
over to our site, you know, that we had kind of set up there on the side of the mountain, because, you know, the, this, uh, the, the whole main stage is kind of in a pit at the bottom of the mountain. We were about half, two-thirds up or halfway up the mountain. The kids all go down in the front of the pit. I'm 54. There's no more pits for me, man. <laughs> and so it was about a half a mile, I'm estimating, from, the, from that, the, the, it was a half a mile trip that cooler had to make, you know, to get it done. And there you go, right? There's, these, you know, and so we, I, I like to say the word we, you know, we're carrying the cooler, this half a mile, right? And, and as they're doing that, and by the way, that cooler weighs about 75 to 100 pounds. It's really large, you know, and, you know, the boys, Matt, they got it on their so shoulders, and they're, and they're, they're a kind of a spectacle, a sight to see as they're walking through, uh, not just because, you know, you see four or five, sometimes you're actually six of them, you know, carrying this, but that in itself is kind of, you know, it would draw people's attention, but you see, there was a restriction on how big a cooler could be to even bring in there in the first place. And I got special permission to take this monstrosity in there. And so it really kind of stuck out. So as they're kind of walking through, people are like, man, wow, you can do it. You know, acknowledging their strength and, and talking about what they're doing and like, or saying like, man, do you have a body in there? Or is like that the Ark of the Covenant? And they're, they're yelling these things out, right? <laughs> and, and so, you know, and, and now I was also close by carrying a cooler right? And, and okay, it might not look much, but I, it's just me by myself. I don't have any help, first of all. It weighed about five pounds, and people were also calling, because, you know, I didn't, you know, people were looking and seeing this picture. I didn't realize what was going on here, but they started yelling out things like, hey, you're a cheerleader, or they were saying some other funny, not-so-nice stuff as well. But you know what? The point is that people were laughing and saying things, but they, they were recognizing, they were seeing what we were doing, right? You know? And, and, and what was happening there. Listen, Samson was a Nazarite. It was his calling, you know? And no one here is called to be a Nazarite, but each of us has a calling, or I should say callings, right? We're called to be a dad, a mom, a wife, a husband. God calls us to these things. It was God who even created, you know, these roles, these ways of being. God called you to be a mom, called you to be a dad, called you to be a husband, called you to be a wife, called you to be a grandparent. It's a calling of God to be a grandparent. God's called me to be a pastor. God's called people to be in nursery, preschool, you know, uh, you know kid church. God's called people to sing and to be musicians and to be involved in technology and to greet. These are all callings by God, I believe. Now, some people might not see it that way. I believe with all my heart it is. God places callings on our life, right? And with that, he'll give people unique characteristics and unique giftings. I believe in that as well. But we need to know, like Samson, you know, that there's a difference between identity and calling, right? Our identity is in Christ. Calling is what we do from that identity, yes? And when we do it that way, then what people are viewing is a greater display of God and who he is on this earth. If you make your calling your identity, there's going to be a problem. This happens, if you make your calling your identity, it's going to be a problem. And you're going to have problems, and you're going to suffer. You're going to get frustrated, because you're going to be looking at it from your view, and from what you're desiring, right? Huh? And, and how you're seeing it. You're going to have a much smaller picture, 
You're going to have a much self-serving picture. Of course, you would never see it as self-serving because it's such a good thing. And of course, it's actually to you, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing, but you're seeing it from your lens because maybe that calling has become somewhat of an identity, but your identity is in Jesus. Am I making sense here, huh? Yeah. And you see what happens is when you're living out more from your calling than your identity, you begin to suffer spiritually. And, and in that case now, what you crave begins to change. And you begin to be craving things more that are not of God than are of God, huh? And now your enemy Satan begins to inject this. You know, you're craving the attention of people. You're craving success. You're, and then you're craving things that, well, that's another, that's another part of our sermon. And, and, and you're not finding your identity in Jesus. We see this happen in ministers a lot, sadly, where, where ministers lose their identity in Christ and they begin to become craving and they begin to now live out. What's happening is who they are, their identity is their calling, not their Jesus, and they're very vulnerable to temptations and the cravings. And what happens? It's ugly. They fall. They fall, and it's a terrible, painful thing. As long as Samson lived in his calling... From a place of identifying with his God, as long as he obeyed his God from that identity and didn't cut his hair and remain dedicated to God, he was fairly invincible, right? Until his craving got a hold of him. It was on him. It was in his head. It was, it was grasping his heart. It was choking his spirit. That's what happens. Now, Samson, like you and me, would have to answer the question. And that is, what do you do when your craving has you? When it has you, when it's in your head. Man, you wake, it's in your head. It's got a hold of your heart. It's wrapped up in your emotions, and it's choking you spiritually. What do you do when your craving has you? Well, this is how Samson responded to that question. Judges Chapter 16, verse 1 says, One day, Samson went to Gaza. That's a, that's a stunning statement in Samson's day. You see, because, you know, you got to put it, bring it into context, okay? Samson is from a town called Zoro in Israel, if you will. Gaza is 100 miles away in enemy territory where the Philistines are, right? And so to turn around and go from Zoro to Gaza... So 100 miles, you got to, and, and most of that 100 miles is in enemy territory where the Philistines are. You know, so there's no reason for Samson to go to Gaza, right? God hadn't called Samson to Gaza. It, it's, it's perilous to make that trip, even if he's strong. It's still a dangerous thing. So why would Samson make the trek to Gaza other than it seems he had a craving, Right? He wanted to satisfy that craving. He was longing and yearning for the satisfaction of that craving. Huh? And maybe he's thinking, if I go to Gaza, not many, perhaps nobody will recognize me in Gaza. I've got no friends or family in Gaza, so I can turn around and do this undercover. I can satisfy my craving, right? Hmm? He wanted to go there because perhaps no one would identify him, right? Because he's living out a different identity, isn't he, right? Huh? That's a tough moment when people are looking at you, the way you're behaving, the way you conduct yourself, where you are, and they can't identify you as someone who's 
with Jesus. Huh? So let's read Judges chapter 16, verse 1. It says, One day Samson went to Gaza. When he saw a prostitute, he went in to spend the night with her. So that's what we're saying. We're saying, hey, this is why Samson went to Gaza, to satisfy the craving, right? Samson had a calling, but he also had a craving. And when he was faced with the question, what do you do when your craving has you? Samson indulged in the craving. He satisfied the craving. I'm sure he thought, you know what? It's just one day. It's just one time. I'm just going to satisfy this craving just one time. I'm going to indulge in my craving. Just, it's not going to take me over. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'm not going to get addicted to it. I'm not going to, it's not going to become a central part of my life. I'm just, it's not going to change who I am. I mean, I love God, God loves me, I'm cool, I'm good, just one time. But it's never one time. Never. Not for Samson, not for me, not for you. You know, Samson made the trip to Gaza again and again, over and over. And one of the times he's coming back and forth from Zorro to Gaza, he runs across Delilah. He comes across this woman named Delilah. And then, after engaging with Delilah, Samson is about to learn that when your craving has you, it cripples you. That's just painful to say. That must be painful for you to hear. And yet that is the truth. You know, that is the truth. You see, Samson now went to an adulterous relationship with Delilah. So, you mean, so not only was he fornicating with Delilah, meaning he was having sex outside of marriage, he was fornicating, right? Which is, at, you know, which is now living out from his identity with Christ, Right? And in doing that now, he's beginning to undermine his calling, but he's also living out in an adulterous uh, affair with Delilah. And after a while, Delilah, or actually probably from the onset, Delilah is working with Samson's enemies, the Philistines. She's plotting with them, and then she asks Samson the question, where do you get your strength from? What's the secret to you being so strong? Samson eventually trades away the secret of his strength for another night of pleasure. One more, t just a continuing of indulging in his craving. He tells Delilah, I'm a Nazarite. That's my calling, to be dedicated to God from birth. And he says, and my strength comes from my hair. I don't cut my hair. My hair has never been cut. So Delilah, Delilah now sets a trap for Samson. And we read about it in Judges chapter 16, verse 19 through 20. It says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, Samson's hair, and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Verse 20 says, then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and thought, I will go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Mm. Samson traded away his calling for the sake of his craving. Wow. Yeah. We see that. It says in verse 21, says, Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. So gouging out, they took out his eyes, and then they attached him, if you will, picture a, a kind of a, a stone, 
or that they would chain animals to, and animals would walk in a, walk in a circle, treading and stomping on grain to break it up. So now he's chained like an animal, and he's performing like an animal, and he's blinded. Wow. Samson was living according to his craving, right? He was living according to just one more time, right? Just one more time. Well, okay, we're, we're just going to, you know, come, I'm just going to juggle this to this time in my life or when this happens or when this changes, right? You know, and, and by the way, it, it's, you know, I'm not as bad as others. And, and I do, I do a lot of good and I love God. And so, you know, you know, so this happens here and there, right? I indulge every now and then. Samson, Samson talked himself into feeling okay about his craving, feeling normal about his craving. It's not that bad. It eventually becomes normal to us. So our identity is in Jesus to trust him, to obey him, to love him. And from that identity in Jesus now, right, meaning we're psychologically and emotionally attached to Jesus, not the craving. And then from there we now live out our calling, right? Versus saying, you know what, okay, Jesus, I'm going to put you in like a, a secondary or third place, maybe on the shelf, and I'm going to live out from my calling, huh? and I'm going to psychologically, mean my calling, whatever that may be, and, and, and there now I'm going to become weaker, I'm going to have these cravings, and, and, and I'm really now, this is so much more about me than it is about Jesus, and I'm going to be so vulnerable now to giving into these temptations, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to normalize this. I'm going to, I'm going to make this all okay. This, this is normal. It's good. It's okay. I'm going to create kind of like a, a new standard for myself. And a man, you're in a very vulnerable position because you're clouding your calling. You're damaging your calling. And when I say calling, remember what calling is. It's husband, wife, grandparent, brother, sister, it's soloist, it's musician, it's pastor, whatever it is, these callings, it's caring for people. Because we're, our craving has us. So listen, we often make decisions based on our feelings. Because in all this we're doing is because it feels right. It just does. It feels right. It feels okay. And then we think it's okay, then we feel it's okay. So we have to, our feelings now justify, you know, what we're doing, and our thoughts feed it, and it go back and forth. So when I was, um, and we think there's no harm, as, as Samson did, going back and forth to God, back and forth to satisfy that craving. When I uh, first met Christy, I uh, was 28 years old, and <laughs> uh, how do, so here's the thing, I, I don't, I can say I still don't like dentists. If you're in here, sorry. But, but, from when, but I really strongly disliked them growing up. And I could say, I, I kind of was like a fear and a dislike. I, oh, just, oh, really. And they, they really should, like, come up with a better way. I mean, we've put a man on the moon. Can't we make a drill not sound like a drill when you stick it in somebody's mouth? Come on. You know, and, and the smell? I mean, it's just horrifying. It really is. The whole thing is a terrible experience. You'd think they would just move this along somehow, you know? And so, because of all of that and more, I, I didn't go to the dentist from the time I was probably like, I don't know, between 15 and 17, whenever I could just escape my parents' you know, jurisdiction in that area, to when I was 28 years old. So I haven't gone to a dentist in like, I don't know, 11, 12, 13 years when I meet Christy. And I think everything's cool. There's no problem. Finally, at a point now where... It's beginning to start to affect me. 
Christy kind of forces me and moves me to go to a dentist. And it's kind of like in an emergency situation. It's gotten so bad. It's like, she's like, no, you got to go. And I think she takes me, gets a recommendation. And that day in Rhode Island near her college, because I was visiting, she takes me to a dentist. That's how, like, <laughs> how much I wouldn't go and how much of an emergency situation was on us. So she brings me in. The guy, you know, opens my, so I'm still like, this is, I don't want to do this. They bring me in. The guy could see I'm apprehensive, and he's like, oh, you know, you, so you, what do you say? Oh, so you, you don't like, uh, oh, you don't like the pain or something. I said, you know what? I don't like the pain. I don't like you. I don't like the smell. I don't like the sound. I said, I don't like any of this. And so the guy was really kind and also very skilled, and he turns around, he looks at me, and he says, hold on. Now, this is like 1993 and uh, maybe 94 at that point. And he runs out and he comes back in with, you know, the, uh, the, the Walkmans. Remember the Walkmans? Well, at that point, I think only doctors and, and dentists and whatever. Else. He has this really cool Walkman. And so he said, here, here, put this on. And when I say now, start, just, you know, press the button. He puts the volume up. And he starts going. It's pretty cool. I close my eyes. I don't see anything. The sound is so loud. It's kind of dulling all my senses. And uh, so it's helping. And every now and then, you know, I, 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 like, I put my hand up, and I do it like two or three times, and, it, and he stops, and he, he says, he says I, am I hurting you? I said, no, no, we're in between songs. <laughs> he says, yeah, it's a true story. The guy was so patient with me. And, and we got through, but now here's the thing. All these years are going on, and I'm thinking, I got the, I got the system beat, you know? I mean, I'm... I'm not going to the dentist like everybody else. I'm not paying all this money. I'm not having to go through all this pain and discomfort, and I'm all right, right? My craving was, I don't want to be with near dentists, right? And, and so, but little did I know is that, man, I was decaying. I mean, he, I think I had like 10 or 12 cavities, and he took out, he said, I, I got to pull at least two of your teeth. I'm, uh, he saved the third with a ton of work, and he pulled two of my molars, right? And uh, so I thought everything was cool. Everything was fine. I, you know, this was all right. And yet, literally, I was decaying inside, right? And that's because it felt right. I wasn't feeling any pain. Everything seemed okay. And I was going based on my, my feelings. Listen, people say, oh, you know, you know, trust your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful amongst all things, right? <laughs> Don't trust your heart. Don't trust your feelings alone they're from god they're a meaningful good part of things uh, they're valuable but don't trust in them alone because often it's if it if it feels right and indulging in your craving is going to feel and seem pleasurable and sometimes identify with christ can really be difficult and sacrificial and hard right but god has got a calling on your life that's a beautiful thing and he's gifted you and enabled you to do that but you got to identify with jesus first yes so live by the Spirit of God in you. Be driven by that, not as much your feelings, okay? Let's jump ahead. All right. So now, Samson's sitting there, you know, in prison, right? And I'm thinking that he's having these conversations with himself. And, and one of them is somewhere along the lines of, I gave up so much for so little. That's really, when I've spoken with ministers who have fallen, I've had some very dear friends of mine or good friends of mine that have fallen in ministry. Fallen means that they've gone out and conducted themselves uh, immorally, uh, inappropriately, detrimental to their family, to their church. And uh, it's always the same thing, meaning they gave up so much for so little. 
It's a painful thing to see. They indulged in their craving. Their craving got a hold of them. Their craving now crippled them. And now the moment of awakening, right, when the, when the clouds are gone and it's clear, they realize their, their craving, what their craving has done for them. And they realize, I gave up so much for so little. That's what's happening when we're indulging in our craving, yeah? It might feel good to purchase that item, but it doesn't feel good when the bill comes, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You might got something, but you might be giving up so much for so little. You might be giving up, you know, financial stability. You might be giving up, you know, calmness in your marriage. Huh? You might be choking other areas in your life. It might feel good to sleep often, but then you go to sleep later, but then you get to work, you know, that you're, you're indulging in that craving, and but then you're getting to work late, you're unprepared, you're, un, it's un, you're unreliable, you're unpredictable to your employers, the people you work with, it just doesn't go well. It feels good to hang out on the couch, you know, watching Netflix, entertainment, entertainment means to be, you know, you're being, to be amused, being amused means you don't have to think, right? But it doesn't feel good when responsibilities come calling, and you realize you've neglected things slash people in your life, right? That you have a calling to your spouse, to your children. You, you have a calling to do something wonderful in your life. It's, it's there waiting to be harvested, but you're on the couch watching these shows over and over and over, hours and hours a week, because you have a craving to be entertained. You have a craving to just sit back and quote-unquote veg. I, I veg sometimes. I veg often, you know, if, if here and there. I just sit back, like, you know, I don't care. I just want to watch the most foolish, stupidest thing out there that doesn't have inappropriate material. I just want to sit here and veg, right? My iced tea, my cinnamon roll, veg. <laughs> but that's going to be a really small part of my time, right? I'm not going to indulge in my craving because there's a calling on my life and I don't want to neglect that calling, that calling, dad, husband, son, pastor. Friend. I don't want to neglect those things, right? It feels good to satisfy your craving, to spend that money, to sit on the couch, to sleep in late, to do those things. It feels good, but there are consequences to them. As Samson sat in that prison, blinded, in chains, and he's realizing the cost of his craving, the cost of his craving, and how it cost him his calling, you wonder if he realized that this, you can chase your craving or you can chase your calling, but you can't chase both. It's a mistake we make. We think we can chase our calling and we can chase our craving and we got it going at the same time but we're being deceived. We're being fooled. You can't chase both. You've got to choose between one or the other. And for a while, Samson thought, like often we do, that you can chase both. And you know what? For a season, it really seems that way. But then, here's the truth. When you chase your craving, your calling's always going to take the hit. Huh? And, and, and it's going to be damaged, and it's going to slip away from you. It's going to move away from you. A calling to be a dad, a husband, mom, wife, to be a pastor, you know, all these things, they, they're going to slip away from you. That it's going to slip away from what God intended for you. Listen, 
I do. You wonder today if Samson knew how things would have turned out that he might have made a different choice. Hmm? You wonder if he knew that when he went to go to Gaza that one time to have sex with someone else out of marriage, right? To fornicate. That you wonder if he knew that it wouldn't just be one time. That it, that it, it would keep going. You wonder if he knew that sometime later, this same place that right now is he thinks, you know, that same place, Gaza, where he's indulging in his craving, is going to be the same place where they're going to gouge his eyes out, beat him, put him in chains, and treat him like an animal. And he'd be depleting of his strength and his calling. You'd think that maybe he would have stopped doing what he was doing. Perhaps, right? Like, like you would think that, that he would see that and he would stop it. He'd cut off the relationship with Delilah. See, you wonder when Samson sat there in that prison, and, and I really do think this is, this is barely a liberty I'm taking, that he looked back and he said, wow, I had a calling on my life. I neglected that calling. I didn't protect that calling, and that calling of God slipped away. Slipped away from me. Huh? Listen, I think God is calling us today not as much to look back, but to look forward, right? To see what is valuable, to see what does not have to be. I want you to get that. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to damage our calling anymore after today. We don't have to neglect our callings anymore after today. We don't have to have that privileged calling slip away from us. huh? The effectiveness of it, the power of it. We don't have to have that happen. Today, see what is valuable. What is it in your life that God is calling you to? To who is he calling you to that needs to be built up, that needs to be protected, that needs to be nurtured and cherished, huh? It's your calling. You and I will make better decisions when we recognize what's most valuable and when we chase those things. Let us stop chasing our cravings to be successful, to be recognized, to just overindulge in things. And let us chase our calling today with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and from an identity in Jesus. Could you imagine what's going to happen in your life when you identify with Jesus? All that I said, huh? This is how I want the world to see me. This is my emotional and psychological attachment. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm going to chase, and Jesus is calling me to be this mom. Jesus is calling me to be this co-worker. Jesus is calling me to be this person. Jesus is calling me to do this in my life to build the kingdom. I'm going to chase these things for my identity in Christ. Wow! Can you just even now picture looking forward how wonderful that looks? And how much greater that is than to be a human being who's sitting there awakening now in the result of what happens when they chased their craving. And they realize my craving has crippled me. I thought everything was okay. I thought I was juggling and keeping it all together. When I was 
sinning against God, when I was handing them my way, I was doing a lot of good and only a little bad. And, and, and these circumstances and situations in my life were going on, and cer- certainly that, you know, God would take that into account, and it was reasonable. And, 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 and all this because I was chasing these other things in life that all seemed okay, and I, maybe that one was bad, but, but only a little bad. And then you wake up and you realize, oh, no, I've lost so much for so little. Look at the damage. Look at what's happening. You don't have to be there. Look forward today. Listen. Realize what's most important. Your identity is in Jesus. You're called to be a follower of Christ. God is calling you. He's calling me at this time to rise up and live out from an identity in Jesus and for a great calling he has for you. But do you have a craving that's got a hold on you? Do you? Right? Is it television? Is it Facebook and social media? You've got a craving for that. And probably in that is other things. To be noticed, to be recognized, to have a place. Whatever it is, you have this craving. You desire for this. You've got a hunger for it, a yearning for it. Food? Video games, each one of these things in their own way is okay, and all right, but, but now you have a craving for it, huh? And your craving with these things are costing you time with your family, attention and dedication to your family, your loved ones, time with God, meaning your callings. Maybe your craving is for, for pornography and lustful things, huh? And I say maybe. 50% of you are struggling with pornography right now. I'm, I'm being subtle. This is the truth. Because, because we're go- 50, more than 50% are struggling right now with behaving in sexual ways that are apart from God in relationships. It's all right, I, I know. Uh, and, and it's because what we didn't realize is what crept us in us is a craving for things that are distracting us from our calling. And so somehow we're seeing more protection and more comfort and more satisfaction and more pleasure in our cravings than we are really from our, our calling because we're living out our callings apart from God. Listen, today, I'm telling you, today is your day. You, you can look forward and you can see a beautiful you living a beautiful life, living out your calling from the giftings and power and abilities God's given you in a way that glorifies him. Huh? Yeah. You can. It's there for you. Versus sitting there with this awakening that what, what has happened. And, and, and that's what's going on here with these pornographies or if you're in unhealthy relationships, right? Or, or if you're... Uh, you know, participating in drugs and alcohol and weed and all this stuff and, and finding ways to embellish this. <laughs> you're not identifying with Jesus. You're, you're giving into that craving. It's mucking it up and clouding things, and it's disturbing your great calling's life. What a great privilege to be called to be her husband. <laughs> what a great privilege to be called to be a dad. Oh my God, what a privilege for that calling. What a, what a joy to be called to be a pastor. Or, or before then, other roles I've played from, from really from, from maintenance to, 
kids' church, and, 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 to, and, and to serve the body of Christ in a meaningful way. What a joy. And to do that from a place of identifying with Christ. Huh? I'm all over the place. Huh? I pray that God is bringing clarity to you right now. I want you to be comforted. I do. I want you to be comforted. Don't go anywhere right now but comfort. God is meeting us. <laughs> Come on, God is meeting us. Like, oh, well, you know, no one. We're sinful creatures. We're flesh. Isn't it amazing, though, that in that truth, we're also right now, God delights in us, and we're made in the image of God, and he breathed his spirit into us? And we can live out that way. We don't have to live out and be a slave to that flesh and to that way. We don't have to. We can right now be comforted that God is awakening us, right? No other creature can have this self-awareness but us. No other creature can call out to divinity like we can but us. No other creature can look into the future and have hope but us. God made you this way. Let's live right there right now. See things for how they are. Take away the clouds. This is what it is. This is your moment right here, right now today to see things for how they are. Don't run from it. Don't try and solve it all right now. Just pause and be comforted with the clarity, huh? And know that you're not alone, but, the, but God is with you. His Holy Spirit is being poured out into you. And just take on the comfort, huh? And right now, right now, have this great desire to protect your calling to nurture your callings, to build up your callings, huh? Whatever it is, don't do anything. Don't let anything get in the way of that. All right, I'm going to have to... So look, I want to tell you today that there is hope, you know, that your story is not over. Just like Samson's story wasn't over, your story is not over. There's a cool little detail in the scripture that God chose to include. And that we read in about Samson's stories, his eyes are gorged out, he's placed in a prison, and then we read this interesting comment found in Judges chapter 16, verse 22. It says, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Wow. <laughs> so I think God included this detail because God was going to grant, and he did grant Samson one, one last time great strength to fulfill his calling of defeating the Philistines, and that's what we read happened in scriptures. Maybe today you feel like you're trapped in Gaza. Like, look, Dave, you know, I get what you're saying. It's true, but this is what I got, man, and, and this is where I am, and if I do this, I'm going to pay here. If I do, it, it's just where I am. I'm just trapped, and I'm making the best of, of trying to keep this together, but I'm trapped in Gaza. I'm trapped in satisfying my craving. I'm trapped in the consequences of my craving. This is what I got. And I'm trapped in kind of chasing the craving or dealing with the consequences and realities of the craving. But I'm telling you, God is calling you out of Gaza today. If you would just be comforted and you would just pause and sit there, it would open up. All the other possibilities would just open up. You'd be amazed if you would just step out it's not a good for an illustration. I'll tell it to you sometime later on in a few weeks or months. I'll tell you, I drove three quarters of a mile with no gas, <laughs> okay, from a highway down a rotary through traffic and into a, into a gas station, and I did that yesterday. And <laughs> it's another story for another time, all right? Because I knew it's possible, right? It's possible. And how would I know that it can't be done unless I try it, right? 
And you know what? Amazingly, literally, like five things had to come into place. Five, like, unlikely things had to come into place for me to do that. And I figured it was worth a shot, and they did. (laughs) We'll talk about it another time. Listen, maybe today, I believe today, God is calling you out of Gaza. Can you just pick God is calling you out of all of that way of living to bring you away from your craving, away from the consequences attached to your cravings and into freedom. I mean, have freedom to live out your callings like you never have before. And even right now, as you bask in that comfort and that truth, you're growing stronger and you're filled with hope. You're filled with hope. You're coming closer to your calling. Jesus came to give us hope Jesus didn't come that we could indulge our cravings. (laughs) So Jesus loves me, but that means I can go and indulge in my craving. That's not biblical at all. Jesus loves you, and he loves you when you indulge in your craving. But he doesn't love you. He didn't give his life so that you can engage in your cravings and feel okay about it. Why would he give his life so you could destroy your life? No. He gave you he, sa- he, sa- he sacrificed his life so that you could have life, eternal life, and even here have peace and joy and, and fulfill your calling. Jesus, unlike Samson, Jesus never chased a craving. He lived out his life perfectly, sinlessly. Jesus was the most beautiful person, most powerful person that ever walked the face of the earth, and he laid down his life for me and for you. He humbled himself. And he did that so that people with cravings can have a second chance. <laughs> you got to get that. He did that so that people with cravings could have a second chance, so that people with cravings could see the calling of God fulfilled in their life and see God glorified, so that people with cravings could put aside their cravings and chase their calling. This morning, chase your calling. I, I tell you what, what I've lived I have suffered for my calling. My wife would tell you that. We've suffered for it. And, and, and I would tell you, sometimes that was a beautiful thing and a wonderful thing. And sometimes I did it in a way where I stepped out of an identity with Christ and it was not a good thing. I know the, diff- I know the two. I know what it is to have cravings. I know what it is for them to hurt me. I know what it is to turn around and put a, that apart and to go and live out from identity with Christ and to see that calling lived out in a wonderful way. And you know what? <laughs> the cravings never satisfy me as much as I thought they would. And when God and his calling is fulfilled in my life, it's always so much greater than I ever thought it could be. It is. Every Sunday I come in here, I, it, I'm blown away by what God, and it's happened in other ministries as well. Listen, no matter where you are today, know that God is wanting to deliver you from that craving and start over again. So listen, as we sing this last song, I want you to just be thinking over and over, I'm identifying with Jesus. I'm going to identify with you. Jesus is my identity right now. Nothing else but Jesus. And I'm going to chase my calling passionately, meaning willing to pay the price like never before. Huh? I want to have my calling back. I want to identify with Jesus like never before. To God be the glory. Have a great day.